And that's our series for Lent, going through the Lord's Prayer, seeking deeper intimacy with God, uh, deepening our relationship with Him. Let's talk to Him in prayer right now. See the Lord coming to where you are. Look into His face. As I look into His face and I say to Him, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Now what we call prayer, it's a technical word, literally means we're talking to God. So we use the word prayer, but in some cultures they are not acquainted with it because they've had an irreligious background. So when we first went into Russia, for instance, big in the news right now, but back in 1990 when the Berlin Wall came down and the Soviet Union opened up to the gospel, I went in there with musicians and a team of people and Christian literature and preached the gospel in Ukraine, in the very square where all those riots are, and actually preached to the equivalent of their West Point. Just looking at some pictures this week of me with these cadets in uniform all gathered around me. In fact, in my office at home, I have a hat, a military hat, Russian, that one of the cadets gave me. As I spoke there, behind me was a plinth stand with Lenin on it, draped in red. The officer at that cadet uh, college said he never, ever expected. He was speaking in Paruski, in Russian. He was speaking in Russian. It was being inter interpreted to me, so I knew what he was saying. And then when I spoke to them, I spoke in English. And it was interpreted into Russian. Well, those young men at that school had never, ever been raised to pray, P-R-A-Y. So I didn't use the word. Because I could have said pray to them, and it would have just been who knows what. So I spoke about speaking to God. Let us talk to God. I'm going to talk to God on your behalf. I'm going to speak with words that you can use and talk to him. But that's what prayer is, talking to God. When we sing hymns, it's really prayers, sometimes of praise, sometimes of longing, sometimes of love, set to music. Martin Luther said, he who sings prays twice. Because you're singing with the mind, the words, but you're singing with the passions, the emotions. And it's a different kind of feeling. Sometimes you even, because of the music and the way it matches the words, you find yourself weeping. I so thoroughly enjoy the worship we experience here at Christ Church. I sometimes come into the church feeling somewhat dry and sort of heavy, wondering how I'm going to get up and preach. And then we start singing. And the Lord lifts my spirits. Sometimes I'm weeping. 
it's prayer. It's a com communication talking to the Lord. He speaks to us. Even sometimes when we're singing. Because in the act of worship and being together, it tunes our hearts to sing his grace. That's one of those lines from a hymn. It tunes our hearts to sing his praise, but it tunes our hearts to be receptive to what he wants to say. Sometimes it is from a line in the song. Sometimes it is a truth that we're singing. Sometimes it's from the scripture as it's read. Or, for instance, when we interview Nicole Hartung this coming sun, uh, Wednesday, I had a little slip there, come Wednesday, uh, God may speak to you in the way he has called her and worked in her life. God takes all kinds of means. When you're reading God's word, he speaks to you. I remember being in a, a student gathering. In fact, it was at uh, Rehoboth Beach, and we were there to do evangelism. I was fresh off the boat from England. I had, and here's a little inside scoop. There was a girl in that group of young adults who I later married. I'd invited her to come and do evangelism on the beach at Rehoboth so I could get to know her. And it was on Rehoboth Beach in my Chevy 2 with a hole in the floor, wreck of an old car that I bought, that she got her first kiss from me. She'd obviously kissed somebody else before somewhere sometime. <laughs> I'll never forget that kiss. It's like a foretaste of everything that was to come in marriage. We were married within six months. But here's the deal. We're sitting on this porch having our Bible study in the morning before we go out and hang out with the kids at the beach and stuff. And we're studying, and somebody says, how is it that the Lord speaks to you and leads you from Scripture when you're reading the Bible? How does he do that? So one person said one thing, one said another. And I hadn't made any moves on Kathy at that time. I was just observing. I wanted to see who she was. Well, she pipes up with her sweet, gentle spirit from the other end of the porch, because we're out of doors and nice, fresh morning, reading scripture and talking about it. And she says this. It's not that when you read the Bible, God says, stop here, shop here, make a left here. When you read his word, he so conditions your heart and mind that you are sensitive to his leading. Well, I looked at her and I thought, whoa. That nearly settled the deal. Because I was looking for somebody who loved the Lord that way and had that kind of spiritual wisdom so we could spend our lives together, which is what we've done moves me to tears to tell you. God was speaking to me when she was saying that. This one. <laughs> and it wasn't that I heard those words in my heart. I thought, whoa, this girl is something special. And she is as well as she was. This communication with the Lord is vital. It's a two-way street. It's not like you keep talking to him and Nothing happens. Sometimes uh, 
Parents feel like that when they're talking to their kids. They keep talking to them and nothing happens, like they're not listening. Sometimes wives feel like that. They keep talking to their husbands and it's like they never hear. It's what they call matrimonial deafness. <laughs> to have a relationship with God is the heart and soul of the Christian faith. So how does the Lord's Prayer begin? And that's where we're going to spend this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven. And the big phrase is first one that expresses intimacy. Our Father. Luke's Gospel, it just says Father. We say our Father because it's turned into a prayer and we are corporately speaking to Daddy. The word in the Hebrew language is Abba, like the singing group from Sweden. Exactly, I don't know where they got their name from. But in the language of the Jewish people, it's Daddy. So when kids would be running around in those days and they call out to Dad, they say Abba. That's like saying, Daddy, Dad. It was the familial, conversational word to say, Father, which is what it's translated here. But it's what the children call Dad, Daddy. What does that speak of? It's a filial, family, personal, father-child relationship. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 8. Make a note of them if you've got something to write with. It's a, it's a teaching to dwell on. Listen to this. Verse 14 from Acts, excuse me, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. It says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, adopted into his family. And by him we cry, here is the word, Abba. Literally, in your Bible, it will say Abba. That is, Father. And then verse 16 goes on to say this, the Spirit himself, God's Spirit, testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. In other words, the testimonial, the witness of God, the subjective personal response that the Spirit of God moving in our lives evokes, calls out, is to speak to God as Daddy, Abba, personal Father. I know I spoke about this in the other... I, find, I forget what I said where, but I believe it was in the other sanctuary worship that I spoke about giving my life to Jesus when I was 18. My dad had committed suicide when I was seven. So 11 years later, I go and hear Billy Graham and ask Jesus to come into my life. There were some steps that preceded that, but one night I'm in London in a sports arena 
Billy Graham is preaching. He's the young Billy Graham of about 50 years ago now. Easily. And I go forward and ask Jesus to come into my life. But going out onto the streets that night, walking across London to get onto the underground and get home back to Walthamstow where I was living in an eastern suburb of London, I knew that I had a Father in heaven. I didn't have a Bible. I'd never barely read the Bible. But walking out into the streets, I knew God in heaven was my dad. And it was a, you cannot imagine having grown up without a dad to know you've got a heavenly father who's never going to abandon you, never go walk out on you, never leave you. I sometimes nearly weep. Even now at my age, thinking of all that my dad missed, I would have loved to see what God did with his son, my father's son. I would love him to enjoy what we enjoy. My mother did come to enjoy the Lord. But my dad took his life. But I have a dad. My heavenly dad. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who when Jesus came into my life, adopted me into the father's family. So the spirit of adoption by which I knew in my gut, in my heart of hearts, I had a father in heaven who was my dad, my spiritual, real, heavenly father. That's big. Because what I began to do, and that's what this teaching is meant to evoke, is I talked to him like that. What are the first words of the Lord's Prayer? Dad! You address him as a personal, intimate, caring father. There are some things about that that are spectacular. Number one, he loves his kids to chat with him. What parent doesn't love their child to sit around and chat with them? Our kids are all off our hands now. There's no, we are empty nesters, four daughters. We love it when they call and chat with us. Maybe to seek our advice sometimes to seek a little cash. <laughs> but it's wonderful. And even to ask us to pray for them. We've got a daughter down in Durham, North Carolina, looking for a job. We've got a son-in-law doing some interviewing somewhere else for a job. They want us to pray for them. Do you think we resent that? You parents know how you would love your kids to come and chat with you about what's going on in their lives. It gives God pleasure. He is our dad once Jesus is in our lives. And for the one or two or three or half a dozen of you who've yet to ask Jesus into your life, you don't know what you're missing. It's huge what you're missing. To get serious about Jesus and you kids who've sort of grown up with it and taken it for granted... I wish that had been me in some respects. My kids all grew up with it. We taught them how to talk to Jesus. We always prayed with them at bedtime or whenever, at mealtimes or out in the street or going shopping or getting in the car, going traveling. Always said grace, even when it was at McDonald's or wherever. It's like a, we chat with the Lord. It's what God wants. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, what does he teach us to say? 
Not almighty potentate, creator of the universe. God of all power and might, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He is all those things. It's there. And he's pleased to have us speak to him as such. That's what he was looking for. That's what the intimate relationship is that he desires for us and cost his son his life on the cross that we might be adopted into the family and be able to call him dad and have the same inheritance of the son. Do you know what the Bible teaches? That we are co-heirs with Christ of all that Christ has in heaven. We get to share it all with him. That's a big deal. I mean, you were learning last week about the party that's thrown. That's only the first. That's like the, the appetizer. The party never ends. And you never get bored with the food. And you never get sick of the company. You never say, I'm home and I wish you were. Everybody is home and they love being there together. Spectacular. Because we are home with Daddy. I do remember my dad. He worked in London. We were living in Oxford and he would travel back and forth on the weekends. And I would go down to the end of my street where the bus came in from London because I wanted to be there when my dad came home. And we'd walk along the street and hold his hand and skip along with him to our house. That's how God desires us to be with him. So the next thing is this. Just to teach from this single introduction to our Father as a way of praying he wants to know about all the stuff that's going on in our lives. There is nothing too small or incidental about your life that he is not interested in. He's interested in what you're wearing. When you go shopping, he's interested in how you spend your money. When you're listening to the radio, watching TV, got your earphones on, getting into whatever music, he's listening with you. He knows what it's about. And he loves to share your lives and have you share your life with him. Again, intuitively, because I was fairly, nearly, altogether irreligious when Jesus got a hold of me. It's hard for you to feature that because I'm now a pastor and I've done, got a lot of experience, a little learning. But intuitively, that is his, let me rephrase that in Bible language. His spirit bore witness with my spirit right in here that the things of my life he was interested in and I could talk with him about them. So I was really into soccer. I was a soccer freak. I ran to be fit, played for a team that got to an All-England final. I've coached an English college soccer team. Excuse me, an American soccer team college team. It was my game. Once Jesus was in my life, I'd be lined up on the field before the whistle blew and the ball was kicked into play and I'd talk to the Lord about the game and pray for the guy down the other end of the field that I was going to be spending a lot of time with that afternoon, who was going to be coming my way with the ball. God was interested in my soccer game. I was interested in playing the game for him. I wanted to play it in such a way that it would please him. 
And I don't know how I got onto this, but I started talking to the Lord about dating. And I would talk to him about whether the girl would say yes or no when guys are always somewhat in... Those were the days when only the guys invited the girls out. I wouldn't have mind living today when the girls are calling the guys up and saying, hey, you want to go out with me? Will you escort me to the prom? My dad just gave me 20 bucks. Let's go to the movies. And I would pray about calling the girls up. Listen to this. Any of you in the sort of thinking about boyfriends, girlfriends phase? You never marry somebody you didn't date. Got it? You better be praying about who you're dating. Because one of them you're going to marry. You better have the Lord leading you in that, that scene. And I intuitively, God's spirit talking to my spirit, wanted to do that. So I spoke with my Heavenly Father about all kinds of things. When you call him Father, that's real. So when you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you can actually stop there. The Lord's Prayer is not like a mantra that you just say all your way through, like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, like, like that. In fact, did you not notice in what was read to us by Pastor Jamie, and you read on the screen, that you're not to be just babbling words like the pagans. We don't babble to God. He's not impressed with us running off a string of words. How would you like your kid to come into you and just run off a bunch of words, not even look in your face, not talk to you? Just say words, like in your presence. Done. Out of there. Wouldn't be very rewarding either to you or to him or your parents or whatever. To say, our Father, you can stop right there and say, Dad, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for being my dad. I do this. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for watching out for me. Thank you for being ready to hear me. I'm glad to be here talking to you. Talk to him like dad. You're not just saying words, though we often do, don't we? It's what we're saying. Really from our heart to his. And that's important, so let me help you with that. What do you see in your mind when you pray? You see, here's a truth. That imagination is a God-given gift to human beings by which we can see things that are not. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is believing in what you cannot see. It's the evidence of things unseen, it says. It doesn't mean make-believe, but God-given imagination so that when I'm speaking to the Lord Jesus or to my Father in heaven... I imagine them, I see them there with me because they really are here. They're here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, here. Right here. Just like, and this is always a fabulous illustration. I cottoned onto it using my imagination. Right now, coming right through here, all kinds of messages. Text messages, pictures, word messages. And you know that's true, don't you? You've got the right piece of equipment. I hope it's turned off. You can get the message if it's for you. 
but they're all coming through here by the tens of thousands, maybe millions. You can't see a one of them, can you? But it's happening. The Lord's here. One of the teachings of the New Testament. Listen to this. Thomas said to the Lord, though he didn't know the Lord was there listening, he was just saying to the other disciples, unless I put my finger in the nail prints of the hand, I will not believe. That's doubting Thomas. Well, the Lord was there listening to that conversation. Do you know how Thomas discovered that? A week later, the disciples are all together, closed in. So this may be one of the reason, readings around Easter. And Jesus turns up physically visible. He makes himself physically visible. And who's the first person he goes to in the room? All the disciples are there, but who does he go to? He goes to Thomas. And what does he say? See my hands. See my feet. Put your hand in my side, Thomas. No longer be doubting, but believe. Now listen to this. What do you think went through Thomas's mind when Jesus hit on him like that? How did he know I said that? He heard me say that. He was here when I said that. And all he could do was say, my Lord and my God, and worship him. Well, when I hear that, and the other accounts like that, I think, Jesus is there. Jesus is here. So I imagine him sitting in my seat on the, in the car when I'm driving. Empty car. But I've got to see something in my mind. I'm not going to speak to thin air. So I use my imagination to see Jesus, and I talk to him. He could just as easily be sitting in the chair. He's there. He can turn up any which way he likes, sitting on the, the front end like a hood ornament. But he's here. So we talk to him as if he's here. So I see him by faith in my mind as I speak to him. So when I kneel down before my father, kneeling by my bed, I see myself kneeling at his knees. So when you kneel down like this, and where, 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 is, where is the Lord now? If he's sitting on his throne... I look up and I talk to him as if he's here. His face is here. Because I'm kneeling at his knees. Because I'm kneeling, he's sitting, I'm at his knees, I look up to see his face. I've never seen it. But by faith, that's how I talk to him. That's a, that's a simple teaching. But I'll tell you this, dogs have no imagination. Cows do not contemplate hay in a barn. And they don't start licking their chops like you're anticipating a meal after this. It's a human disposition and ability that allows us then to have faith and exercise that faith and talk to the Lord and know that he is with us and will never let us go. Jesus said, no one will ever snatch you out of my hand and no one will ever snatch you out of the Father's hand. What is that? Now that's like God's got his hand walking you. Do you get it? 
Now, one other thing. How are we doing on time here? We've just gone by the time. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this one thing anyway. If you lost an hour, you're going to lose another five minutes here. <laughs> Let me tell you this. It doesn't just say, Daddy, our Father. What's the next phrase? Who art in heaven. He's a heavenly Father. And that immediately moves to the power and the majesty of God. He's not just your buddy, your good old dad. He is, but with the same breath, we address him as the Lord of glory. Because in heaven, the angels are worshiping him day and night. And all those who've gone on before, and he is the focus of attention and adoration. And they love him. They're pouring out their love. While I was away last week, I was actually out in the desert. That is like Palm Springs, Palm Desert, Rancho Mirage, La Quinta. Very nice. Not like this weather here. Sunshine, summer, warm. We went to see a, a, a guy who in fact was a doctor but was having surgery the next day on his back. Very difficult, dangerous surgery. So Kathy and I went over to the house. He's a friend of Kathy's, my wife, and his wife was her roommate in college. So we go over there to pray for him, and his granddaughter's there. So it's just the grandparents then, their little girl called Zoe, and Kathy and me. And we, we, I sit him down on like one of those bar stools back there they had in their kitchen. And I stood behind him and Kathy next to him and his wife beside him and little Zoe, who loves her granddad. Do you know what she did? She knelt right in front of him, put her hands on his knees and looked up to his face in absolute adoration. It was a sight to behold. Maybe God's got that picture in heaven on his refrigerator now. It's like one of those moments I watched to just look at him and, and then we prayed for his healing and the surgery. But that's what it's like to look at our Heavenly Father. To look at him and adore him. It's like emoting our hearts going out to him. That's going on right now in heaven. So when we worship him and pray to him, that's one of the aspects of prayer, is to adore him. I love the way all the kids, they don't say this in England. You, this is an, an American cool phrase today. When you say something is awesome, you say it a little, a little different. How do you say it around here, Pastor? Awesome. Awesome. And you've got all kinds of things. Your shoes are awesome. Your room's awesome. I was a bit sick of it for a while. But then, it, then, then I got to love it because I thought, awesome. You know, God is awesome. He's awe-inspiring. And all those like little cliche things about something being awesome is really true about God. And we, in effect, really are looking for something that's awesome. 
The human disposition is to want something awesome in our lives that kind of blows us away, that we're lost for words. We just say, awesome. But oh, that we only used it for when it was really awesome. God is, and he's your dad. You look him in the face, and it is awe-inspiring, awesome. Our Father, who art in heaven, and you can spend a whole lot of time there just admiring him, adoring him, and tell him how grateful you are for how great he is in your life. Let's do that. Let's pray. Bow your heads. So see yourself looking at the Lord. Use that imagination. So you're looking at him. So speak to him. In your heart, say, Father, Daddy, thank you for loving me, Dad. Thank you for reaching out to me and helping me, Dad. Thanks for your protection, Dad. Thank you for all the great desires and dreams, plans you have for me, Dad. Help me to hang in there with you when things get tough. Help me to know you're with me that you'll never turn your back on me, that you'll run out to meet me whenever I've blown it and welcome me home. Thank you, Dad. Thank you.